many of you have ever, how many of you are risk takers? Let me see your hands. You take risk, okay? You know, some of us are and some of us are not. Some of us maybe we're in the middle. Sometimes we'll take a risk, sometimes we won't. So I want to talk about a guy this morning that, you know, was a risk taker. Now, why don't we take uh, risks? Many times it's because of we've been burned in relationships or uh, we've broken off destructive relationships or, uh, you know, choosing to forgive and possibly restore broken relationships. In other words, it has to do with relationships. And we're a little leery, you know. And we're going to be talking about a guy this morning in the Bible that of any of the people that's in the Bible that I think that, that would kind of, I would be like, you know, and maybe some of the characters in the Bible, you'd say, you know, I think I'm this person or that person. I, I think I'm this person. His, his name was Barnabas, okay? And I don't like his name, but I, I like the character, okay? <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, I, uh, uh, and uh, Barnabas was a guy that took risk, okay? As a matter of fact, let me just kind of fast forward a little bit over here to tell you something about this guy. And if you're watching the AD series, we'll kind of follow along with that. And uh, Barnabas is the one that when Saul of Tarsus, you know, uh, a threat to the church, he murdered Christians, all these things. And, you know, it's kind of like nobody wanted anything to do with him. It was Barnabas that went out of his way. And, and he goes and, and, and he takes that risk and he begins to talk uh, to Saul, who later becomes Paul, who later writes uh, 14 books of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by this person that, that Barnabas took a, a risk on, okay? And Barnabas is also a person that owned all kinds of land, sold it, dropped it at the feet of the apostles. I mean, he was one that was just sold out. In other words, he, he took the Bible literally, and he took Jesus at his word, and God used him in a tremendous way. Now, Barnabas was a guy also that began to travel with the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul was kind of like the educated one. He was the writer, okay, and, and uh, part of the Sanhedrin, you know, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He talked about himself. So here, here is, you know, Paul is one of those ones that's very thoughtful. He thinks things through, you know, sees the beginning and the end and can write about and all that. And uh, Barnabas and him worked well together. Barnabas, the word Barnabas means uh, encourager, encouragement. So today's message, actually, we're going to be talking about becoming an encourager to others. And I believe that there's one thing that God wants us to do is to be an encourager to other people. I believe we're living in a time and a day when people need encouragement. If you believe that, say amen. Someone just to come along and speak that word. Maybe put a hand on the shoulder. Maybe a smile or whatever it may be. That, that, that encouraging part. And sometimes it's risky uh, to love people. Why? Because people have hurt us. We've been hurt in the past. Let me just ask this question now. Be honest with me this morning. How many of you have been hurt in the past by someone? Let me see your hands, okay? I'd say about 90, 90 95% of the hands went up, okay? We've been burned in some way, and it's like, whoa, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm not going there. But, you know, uh, Barnabas was one of those that took that extra step. Matter of fact, as I said, fast forward here, uh, you know, him and Paul worked, he and Paul worked together for, for mission trips, and on one of the missions trip, there was a young man by the name of Mark. And uh, Mark got about halfway through the mission trip, and he, he, he wanted to go home. I mean, you know, he, it, it's a tough. If you've been on the mission field, you know it's tough. And uh, so he, he wanted to go home. So the next time they went on the mission trip, you know, uh, Paul says, I'm not taking this guy. You know, he just he fell, he failed us on the last trip, not taking him. 
And Barnabas was saying, no, 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 Paul, we, we, we need to take him. And, and, and they began to come at odds at one another. Now, how many of you know sometimes even Christians can become at odds at one another? Somebody say amen. And it, it's just a matter of the way you handle it. And uh, they handled it the right way. Uh, they, they both were standing their ground. So Barnabas decided, I'll take Mark with me, okay? So he, took Mark, he takes Mark with him, and they go on a mission trip. So, you know, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Somebody say amen. So instead of getting one missionary trip, God got two out of it. And many times that's what happens. You know, what we think is something bad, God says, this is going to turn out good. Somebody say amen. amen. So, and then at the very end of Paul's life, when he was going to be beheaded in Rome, okay? In other words, here he is. He's right at the end of his life. He asked for some things to be sent to him, some parchment and some more things he wanted to write, things he wanted to say. He knew his life was at an end. And he said that he would ask those things to be brought to him. And he also asked for young Mark to come. He said Mark is very profitable to the ministry. How many of you know we need encouragers? Sometimes a person may uh, need that encouragement. Maybe somebody's failed along the way. Maybe you failed along the way. And you need somebody that would encourage you. And this is who a Barnabas was. So with all that in mind, turn with me if you would. And let's look at the scripture this morning, Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Becoming an, encourage, an encourager to others. When Saul, who later became Paul, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. Now notice this. He, he tried to get in that inner circle and then, you know what? You're not getting in. Okay, They didn't want to let him in. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Think about that. Barnabas took him and brought him to the, to the apostles and told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus that he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need that Holy Ghost power in our lives to become the men and women that you've called us to be. Lord, without you, we're nothing. With you, we're everything. And I just pray your anointing, oh God, upon the ears of the people here today and upon these lips of clay. Uh, God, that uh, thy kingdom come, your will be done here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Now, Saul was a newly converted disciple who was formerly an enemy of the church, came to town, hoping to meet the disciples, okay? And this should be something like, yes, they should roll out the red carpet, but no, did they roll it out? No, matter of fact, they rolled it up. They wanted nothing to do with this guy, you know? And, and, and so here is where we are this morning. So what keeps us from taking a risk on people? Number one, write this down in your notes. and Go to the next slide if you would. Number, number one, write this down. Fear keeps us from taking a risk. Many times our fears hold us back. We might fear failure when we're starting a new project or a business venture. Sometimes there's fear in that. Maybe we're afraid of rejection, especially in relationships. Or, or we wonder, will they accept me for who I am? Or we wonder, uh, can I tell them this part of my life? Can I really open up? And sometimes we don't think we can and we don't. Uh, when it comes to taking risks to someone who's hurt us in the past, we probably are most afraid 
I've been hurt again. Because we've been hurt and we don't want to be hurt again, okay? That's where we are. So maybe you've, you've been hurt by an ex or you've been hurt by a business partner. You've been hurt by an employer or you've been hurt as a child. Or, or, or they came to us and say, you know, and they, 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 somebody might come and say, well, I've changed. And, you know, we are a little leery of that. And we want to hold them at an arm's distance because, you know, we're just like, you know, I, I was hurt by you. We want to believe they can change, but we're afraid. Everybody say, we're afraid. So fear many times comes into the picture. So Paul had, you know, had hurt people. Now, folks, here was a guy that had hurt a lot of people. You know, he had hurt people. Matter of fact, some of those disciples, it was probably their relatives or friends that, that he had hurt. And they, the sting was still there. It was, the soreness was still there. Now, he had thrown people in prison and, and, and murdered people. So if you're a Christian living back then and you heard Saul was coming to town, you might want to hide out too. As a matter of fact, you might not want anything to do with him as well, okay? Let's be honest. So fear was that factor. Taking a risk on one man just didn't seem worth it. So that's, that's where they were, okay? So fear wants to keep us right where we are. When God has a better destination for us, can I get a witness? So fear wants to keep us here. It's kind of a paralyzing effect. But when faith comes into our lives, we begin to take risk and we step out of our comfort zone into new areas. And we begin to understand God's plan a little bit better. So fear keeps us from taking a risk. Number two, write this one down. Doubt keeps us from taking a risk. Now, if you've been in the uh, disciples' place, if you were there, you would have believed that God could change Saul, okay? You know, you know if, if you'd been in, you know, on, on their, in their place, you might have thought that. But then at the same time, they weren't receiving him. They had some doubts. Uh, you know the saying, if something sounds too good to be true, it probably, you know, you know it, it isn't. If it sounds too good to be true. So they're thinking this about Saul. Maybe it's not true. Maybe he, you know, maybe it's there. So... That doubt, that little bit of doubt, we talked about that last week, you know, or two weeks ago, about doubt, that, you know, that's one of the things that we have to overcome as a Christian. Hebrews 10.23 says in the Living Bible, there is no longer any room for doubt. We need to think about that. There's no longer any room for doubt. We need to think about that. It is understandable to be weary when someone comes to us claiming to have changed if if they're wrong or what they're, you know, living the lie. Uh, we'll just get hurt again. So we, we kind of get that in our background. But we had to understand, how many of you know the power of God can change people's lives? Somebody say amen. amen. I was changed. You was changed. I'm not the person I used to be. How many of you know you can say this morning, I'm not the person I used to be? Amen. And we're growing in the things of God. And we're changing daily. God's doing some things in our life. Now let's go to the next one. Cynicism keeps us from taking a risk. Oh, <laughs> It happens when we decide that our preconceived prejudice uh, represents reality. We apply them to everyone and everything. So, you know, a little cynic, you know, we're we're just like, I don't know about that. Uh, Now, cynicism thinks it knows better uh, than anybody else, that people don't change, that they can't be trusted, that risks are never worth it. But let me tell you something. If you want to deepen relationships, you have to take the chance. Somebody say amen. You have to take the risk, and you cannot be always a, a, a cynic in that area. We figure out that they, you know, uh, the, the way things really work. You know, we've been around the block. How many of you have heard that uh, statement, I've been around the block too many times, you know? I, I, I understand. I know people. And that's true. But let me tell you something. You know, the power of God can change the meanest of the mean. Come on, somebody. 
The power of God can turn things around. So we've got to understand that the power of God is even stronger than some of those things that we, that we have in, in, within us. So when we have the chance to take a risk on someone, fear says they may, may hurt us. Doubt says they probably haven't changed. And cynicism says they will hurt you and they will never change. That's, that's what they say. So these are the things keeping us from taking a risk. And we ask the question, what about you? Where are we at today? And I know this was back in the Bible times. This is back, you know, and boy, it's really something watching the AD series and seeing those disciples and, you know, and bigger than life on the screen. And you're thinking about it. It may not be exactly the way it was or the way you're interpreted, the way you see it. But nevertheless, there's just a lot of faith when we begin to see that. So these things are the things becoming, keeping us from taking the risk. Which of the things is a struggle to you? And let me just say this morning, you're not alone. How many of you know we all go through things like this? Somebody say amen. Amen. And we're all going through something. Now, I may have hit, you know, you might say, well, I had no problem with fear, but you may have a problem with doubt. You might not have a problem with doubt, but you have a problem with fear or whatever it may be. But one of these things could be in your life. So only one person was willing to consider that possibility, and his name was Barnabas. And Barnabas is, you know, as, as we'll learn here in a little bit, the name means encourager. As a matter of fact, let's go there. Barnabas had heard something that the others hadn't, something that, you know, pricked his interest, okay? Or maybe Barnabas decided that Saul was worth the risk. We know that Acts 4.36, look at that scripture if you would, turn there. Barnabas' name means son of encouragement or son of comfort. How many of you know there's times we need a little comfort? Somebody say amen. We need to be comforted. You know, we need some encouragement. We need that Barnabas along the way. And God sends that Barnabas to us, okay? Perhaps this was just Barnabas being Barnabas, looking out for people's, uh, you know, others had written off. But, you know, son of encouragement. And you know, the thing of it is, I believe that we all can be an encourager to someone else. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, it's kind of like, you know, hospitality. We don't all have the gift of hospitality, but we need to be hospitable, okay? So I believe that, you know, maybe we don't have the gift that Barnabas had. Maybe we can't go to the lengths that Barnabas did. But I believe we all can be encouragers because I know if there's one thing I know, people need encouragement in this day and age. If you believe that, say amen. So whatever the reason, Barnabas decided to look for Saul and find the truth for himself. I want to find out for myself. And and what he found out changed everything. So what did Barnabas do? And how can we be more like him today? No, what what is, what does that look like? What does it look like to take a risk? Now, there's three things. I want you to write these down. This is something you take home with you today. Number one, write this down. Take time to hear their story. How many of you would agree this morning that everybody has a story to tell? You know, how how many of you would be honest that you've looked at someone and and you've prejudged them by their outward uh, whatever, the way they look, the way they walk, the way they talk? Uh, How many of you would be honest that you've judged someone like that, but once you begin to talk to them, it was a different story? I've known guys that look, I thought, oh, man, that, I bet that's the meanest guy. I, be, I believe he's as mean as a rattlesnake, as I say down home. And you begin to talk to him, it's like a little teddy bear. It's like, wow, did I miss that one? You know, and when you begin to hear their story, it changes everything. Everybody has a story to tell. Someone said that the reason God gave us two ears and one mouth is because he intended us to listen twice as much as we talk. Somebody say Amen. 
Sometimes we just need to listen. My wife tells me that sometimes. I don't know why. Some of your spouses probably tell you that. You need to listen. Wisdom is the reward you get for a long time of listening. Everybody say wisdom. How many of you want wisdom? Let me see your hands. You want some wisdom? Yeah, some of you need some wisdom. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when you get it, it's not by talking. You listen. You listen. You know, you, you try to understand. Uh, you, you know, uh, when you've, you, you know, prefer to talk, you, you begin to listen. Here's some, some other people said. Most people do not listen when they intend to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. In other words, they're ready to start talking and they're not really listening. Have you ever been talking to someone and you think, I don't think they're listening to me. Sometimes we ought to just say, we ought to just say something dumb, off track or whatever, just see what the other person is going to say. What's that? Barnabas listened. He listened. He listened to the story about Saul being converted. Everybody's story is a little different. Here are the five words that could transform a relationship. That's interesting. Tell me more. That's interesting. Tell me more. You know, you want to build a relationship with someone. You know, you know, you know people want to tell their story. And if you want to take time to listen to stories, you, you can have a lot more relationships in your life. Simple words, but incredible in, inviting. You know, try it sometime. That, that recipe, you know. Uh, you know, that's interesting. Tell me more. And you begin to listen and really listen to someone else's story and listen to what someone else is saying. And I tell you what, you'll get a long way. Somebody say amen. amen. And then the second thing, okay, we need to do is we need to verify the facts. Now, go to the next one. Verify the facts, okay? And this, if we want to be an encouragement to someone else, and now if all we do is take someone at the word, there can be, you know, some consequences to that. In other words, we need to verify the facts. You know, it's, I, I, uh, I, I like what Ronald Reagan, you know, you know said to the, the guy, that, uh, the Russian president, you know, and it's, uh, you know, trust and then verify. Okay, I trust you, but I'm going to check it out too. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you're verifying the facts. I mean, you want to see if this is the proof is in the pudding. If, you, if what's happening is what you're saying, if your walk is your talk. Come on, somebody. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But, you know, we need to give a person the benefit of the doubt. It's important to remember that Barnabas didn't insist the church welcome Saul until he had met with him and checked out his story. He just didn't take him verbatim and say, yeah, he's fine. No, 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 he checked it out. And, and folks, I'll tell you, it's kind of like accountability thing. We, we need accountability in the church, and probably where the church is lacking more than anything else is accountability. Somebody say Amen. We need to be accountable to one another. We need to be accountable to the Lord. We need to submit ourselves to one another. And, and that's where we can verify the facts. Barnabas wanted to make sure that Saul was for real. How many of you have been around someone and they weren't really for real? You know, there was a facade there. They, they needed to take off the mask, so to speak. Somebody say amen. In other words, there's kind of fakey. You ever been around somebody and they're kind of fakey? It's like, hmm, there's something not right here. And, you know, so, but when you sit down and you hear their story... You know, it changes your perspective on that person, okay? So let me make it be clear. Be willing to take the risk on people does not mean that we're incautiously opening ourselves up to abuse. 
we're checking the facts out. We're seeing exactly if that person's where they need to be. I really believe that, you know, sometimes people get saved and sometimes they want to take a saved person, put them right on the stage, you know, witnessing to people and things like that. Sometimes that's not a good thing. They need to be disciples. Somebody say amen. They need to go through some, uh, some areas of, of help to get them strengthened in the Lord. And they're very vulnerable at that time. We need to hear their story. And as they begin to mature and begin to grow, then, then they could, you know, other things they could begin to do for the Lord. We need to discern for ourselves whether God is truly at work in their lives. You know, all you have to do is listen to someone's story. Listen to what they're saying. You know, if you're really listening to what someone's saying, you can hear uh, and your Holy Spirit can help you uh, to judge that situation. If you believe that, say amen. Now, let me just say this. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Let me say it again. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. We are always to forgive. That's a given. We need to forgive people. But let me tell you something. Reconciliation takes a little time. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Now, you think about this, okay? Reconciliation is not always a good option. If reconciliation is to incur, the facts must be verified. And you need to get the facts on the table of what the situation is. You know, the Bible says if you have ought against your brother, what, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You get on the telephone and talk about ever talk about him to everybody else. No, I'm being facetious. I know it. I'm trying to get some of you's attention. You're sitting there. I don't think you got enough sleep last night. <laughs> if a person has a problem, what do you do? The Bible says you're to what? Go to that person, and to him, help me out alone. Hello. Now, some of us have been guilty in that area. We went to other people before we went to that person. We got all the muddy, the water's all muddied up now. Okay, go to that person. You know, I've just followed this, and it's a very simple plan. I mean, it's something in the Bible. Matter of fact, attorneys use these same things right out of God's Word, okay? I mean, what you need to do, you need to verify the facts. You've got to get the facts down. What are the facts here? Okay, so you go to that person, you know, and you begin to talk to that person. And sometimes, you know, how many of you have ever been around someone and they said something and they didn't mean what they said? Let me see your hands. They said something, it's like, well, oh, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. You know, I heard somebody, you know, but until you verify that, you know, I thought I heard you say this. Did you? No, no. Well, if I did, I'm sorry. How many, you know, so in other words, you clear something up real quick. You grow quick. Folks, I'll tell you what, you know, as long as, you know, in, in the church, you know, where two or three are gathered together, there will be conflict. Amen? As I said before, it's a matter of not of if, it's a matter of when, and it's a matter of how you're going to deal with it. You know, and that's the reason we have problems, you know, things go unsolved. No, you don't do that. You know, reconciliation is when we verify the facts. It's when, when you go to that person, okay? And once you go to that person and you can't get it resolved, you take someone else with you, okay? Another brother or sister with you or with them, whatever, you try to get this thing worked out. And, and you make sure that you're hearing the story, correctly and and that you're verifying the facts of what was said or done or whatever it is i'm gonna tell you something usually taking that other person solves it right there and then the third thing says if you can't be solved you take it to the church what does that mean it doesn't mean this body here it means the the elders it means those that that been around for a while they have some wisdom they understand how to you know things get tangled up and how to untangle twisted things and you begin to, you know, and usually, it, usually if, you know, when it goes there, 
you know, it's, it, it's dealt with in, in the right way, and, and things are fine. So if reconciliation is to occur, the facts must be verified. Can I get a witness? Has true repentance occurred? Has true repentance? Have you, you know, you know, God forgives, but how many of you know we have to repent? What is repentance? Repentance means if I'm going this way and I repent, I turn around and I'm going the different direction. That's what's happened, okay? Is there a willingness to make restitution? In other words, if you've harmed someone, if you've taken something from someone, restitution is your, you know, you know, within your power to try to restore that, okay? Is there evidence of a changed life? You know, people do change. And you, you know, giving someone the benefit of the doubt. So whatever Barnabas did to verify the facts, he left convinced. I'm convinced. This man, uh, God has visited with him. He is a disciple just like I'm a disciple. We need to, you know, let him in. So if you have doubts about somebody, verify the facts. But once you do, keep moving. Listen. Verify. Then there's something else that we need to do if we're going to be like a Barnabas, an encourager to other people. And this is the last one, and I, the best one, I think. We need to trust in God's power. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, God's power, is it, that's, this is what the book of Acts is all about. And, and in Acts 1-8, you shall be endued with power from on high. The word power there is dunamis or dynamite. And, and there's, there's, there's something, you know, explosive that we have that changes situations in our lives. We have that power. So this third thing is actually the first thing that we need to do, reject cynicism, reject doubt, reject fear, and, 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 and we aren't, you know, if we're not taking a risk, start taking a risk. We simply wait for the person, you know, to, to fail us. No, no, because we're assuming they will. No, 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 no. We just turn this thing around, and we're believing for the power of God in our lives and that God can turn things around. You never see Jesus being cynical in the gospel. You never see a Jesus being like that at all, okay? Okay? Cynic pride, uh, you know, pride themselves on being realistic or understanding the way the world really works. Now, you know, I, I like to tell people that when I grew up, I had some street smarts. How many of you know what I'm talking about with street smarts, okay? You've been around the block a few times. You understand how people are, how things work, and that's good. But let me tell you something. The power of God is even better. Can you say amen? Because the power of God changes situations. So when some of the Sadducees tried to trap Jesus with a trick question, Jesus told them that, that what their problem really was. Here's what he said. He says, you do not know the scripture or the power of God. Amen. How many of us need the power of God? Somebody say amen. We need the power of God to change things in our lives. Cynicism cannot be our starting point. We must trust in God's power, okay, because if he can't change people, no one can. If God can't change a situation, no one can. If God cannot turn this thing around, nobody else can. So we're trusting in the power of God. In each of his appearance in the book of Acts, Barnabas displayed confidence and trust in the power of God. He believed in John Mark. When nobody else believed, when, when even Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the, of the New Testament, when Paul didn't believe in John Mark, Barnabas believed in him because Barnabas heard his story, because Barnabas got just a little bit closer in the situation, and he understood, you know, and, and, and he overcame fear. He overcame doubt. He overcame cynicism, okay? He was willing to intercede for people whom others had given up on. 
How many of you are glad that somebody didn't give up on us? Mm. In closing this morning, somebody say amen. At some point in our lives, we've all had a Barnabas in our corner. Someone who believed in us when nobody else believed in us. They were willing to take that risk on us, and it changed our lives. We needed a Barnabas, and now someone else needs us to be a Barnabas to them. Folks, I tell you what, the world are looking for Barnabas. Somebody say amen. You know, the world is looking for those that would just come. I need someone to encourage me. I'm down. We need to move past our fears. We need to move past our doubts. We need to move past reject cynicism and just believe in the power of God. This is what the book of Acts was all about. The power of God began to change the lives of people, and it can still change lives today. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Hallelujah. I'm so glad you're attentive today to, to the word and, and to what God is doing. And, and I thank you. I thank God for what he's doing in and through our lives. And I don't believe it's by chance that you're here this morning. And, and maybe you need a, a Barnabas in your life. Or maybe, you know, you need to be a Barnabas to others. And uh, I, just, I just pray that you would, you know, and, and sometimes it takes that mature person. It takes that person that's willing to take that little extra chance. That being a little cautious and a little waiting and not being... Uh, too quick to judge or whatever it may be, uh, to be that person, an encouragement to that person that needs encouragement. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here this morning and, and you need something from the Lord, if you're here this morning you don't know the Lord, if you're here this morning and God is speaking to you about being a Barnabas, either one of those, I want to pray with you. you believe prayer changes things? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. And I know your Holy Spirit's moving, just like it did in the book of Acts. And as we're watching the AD series, just like it's happening there, it was the power of God that made the difference. It was the power of God that changed Saul of Tarsus. It was the power of God that changed these unlearned and ignorant fishermen to become powerhouses for you and change and turn the world upside down. And Lord... It was the power of God that touched the life of Barnabas, making him an encourager. Help us, God, to be an encourager to other people. Help us, God, to be the person that you've called us to be, to get out of our comfort zone this morning, to be willing to listen to someone's story. Hallelujah. Before we judge, before we let fear take over or doubt come in or cynicism take over, help us to reject those things. And be open to your power this morning, we pray. If every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and, and, I, and you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, I just want to pray for you before we go our separate ways today. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. If you feel like God, maybe God is calling you to step out of your comfort zone and be an encourager to other people. Be a Barnabas, one that changes situations and help change Changing the Saul of Tarsus and bringing Saul of Tarsus in the fold. Change the world that we live in today. So maybe you want to be an encourager. Maybe the God is just, God's just moving upon your heart. That's you. That's you. I want to pray for you. On the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand. 
See some hands going up. Hallelujah. Glory. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Father, we just surrender our lives to you this morning. And we just ask, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in us. Change us, Lord. (laughs) We believe that power can change us as it did the apostles, as it did the, the men and women in the book of Acts. Their lives were changed. Uh, from the natural to supernatural by the power of God. Help us, Lord, to receive that power in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you got anything out of this, give the Lord a hand clap, would you?